and welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. My name is Richard, KB5JBV. Alrighty, uh, we are currently, well, let me let me back up. Uh, we've had some medical issues in the family the last couple of weeks, and that's one of the reasons we've been kind of sluggish about getting shows out. I do apologize for that. Today we are kind of giving a try to doing the way we started the show out, which was mobile in the car. Uh, currently on my way into downtown Dallas, so that'll give us a little time to talk anyway. Okay. Uh, I spent a lot of time ranting about stuff, being mad about stuff since I got back on there. And I think it's probably time we actually got down to something that might be useful. So, uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about my apartment installation that I've uh, been able to assemble since the wife allowed me to get back on there. And uh, then we'll see uh, where we can go from there. Had a lot of stuff going on, uh, radio-wise. You know, we talked about the uh, trying to get the club together. Uh, Ray, K5 RCP, who uh, has a repeater out here in my part of the world. He has got his machine back up. Now the wind is up, so maybe it'll be a little better. We'll get noisier again at the end. But uh, Ray was able to get his repeater back up. It's uh, over there running. I haven't had time to work with it much myself. However, my number two, Sander Wetzel, KG4FET from back in the day when uh, I was an emergency coordinator out here in uh, Coleman County. He was my number two guy, and we've hooked back up. He's uh, he's kind of taking the lead on it. For those of you who are interested, and just as a side note, uh, we have a Facebook group over. Uh, it started out as a Elmer's group, but right now we're using it for uh, various things, like trying to get our. Uh, get our club up up running uh, there's some DMR conversations going on over there and uh, hot spot conversations going on over there and uh, if, if y'all would like to sign up you're welcome to uh, I don't deny anybody and quite honestly I can only think of two people on this planet I would uh, block from joining the thing so Y'all go on over there and give it a try. It's uh, DFW Elmer's. D Delta Foxtrot Whiskey Elmer's. And it should be hard to find. You'll see my shining face when you uh, when you sign up over there. And I, you know, I'm happy for everybody to join. You don't just have to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 
it was primarily originated so that we could uh, get some Elmering type information going on through social media because every time I come back to radio it seems like everybody's gone away but we're not going to complain about stuff today alright so I have been off the air probably eight years or so my wife understood or knew or realized that I was going nuts in isolation in our apartment because the place I worked, and this is, uh, today is August 1st, 2020. The last day I was able to go to my job was March 14th. And March 14th, a long way, a long way back. So the last time I was able to go to work was then. I've been cooped up in that apartment more or less ever since because you can't really go anywhere or do anything. Uh, restrictions are starting to ease up now. But my idea of a fun-filled day out was going to Walmart and pointing at people and giggling. So with that, uh, we decided to get the radios back up been two months, two and a half months, maybe, and the first thing I did was go out and order myself a brand new dual band radio, because I wanted to make sure that my primary radio on my desk, which I don't have a lot of room on my desk, my primary radio on my desk was going to be a VHF, UHF, dual band radio, with a display that was big enough for me to see that the instruction manual was not complete gibberish. Even though it's fragmented, you have to go around and find all of it. They send you the main one, but there's uh, addendums that go to it, and you have to search the web for it. Uh, I purchased it. One of the reasons I purchased it is because it would do crossband repeat. And when I initially cracked it open and started reading the owner's manual and stuff for it, I could not find anything in the owner's, in the uh, user manual. I could not find anything, you know, in a uh, cursory search of the internet that would tell me how to put the thing in crossband repeat. So, I went ahead and took the programming software, went over to Repeater Book, which I had never really used until I got back on there this time, to find my frequencies and stuff like that, what repeaters are kind of close geographically and that kind of stuff, simply because, as I've mentioned in earlier, earlier episodes, uh, we're in a radio wasteland out here in Terrell, Texas. The closest, geographically, the closest repeaters are 15 to 20 miles away. Now, this might not sound like an issue at this point, but we're going to dive a little further into what I had to do to get an installation going up just for that radio. So, 
I got the crossband repeat happening. I got my got my favorite frequencies programmed in, and I'm in the habit of everything that uh, is a simplex frequency. Simplex frequencies here in Texas. I go ahead and program every five steps or something like that in as channels. So all I have to do is do a channel scan. Or if I need to switch over to a simplex frequency, I can hit the button and spin the dial and be there without having to go through all the pick the band and tune it two or three megahertz and all this other mess. So now we got the radio program. Uh, now I need an antenna. Well, I had set up with my ICA, what is it? I, ICA, IC or ID 800 uh, my old D-Star radio. that I went and picked up at Home Depot and that was giving me some measure of receive so that I could hear these machines and could get enough signal to get into them but not get into them well. It also limited the number of places that I could be heard because it was sitting on a piece of steel and initially on the chest, my chest in uh, my bedroom where I keep my t-shirts and stuff like that and got moved into where my desk is which is extremely close to the center of this building that I'm living in and for those of y'all who haven't been keeping up uh, I had moved from a house over in Mesquite which I never had any antennas up over there, but had I decided to get back on the air, I would have put some up. And we have moved to a one-bedroom apartment in a retirement community in Terrell, Texas. So, I'm not allowed to attach anything outside. We're on the side of the building that doesn't face towards Dallas in any way, and there are buildings in between me and Dallas, and I can't get an antenna up in the air higher than probably four or five feet. Well, having been around all those old school hams I was around when I first got licensed, one of the things I learned is that amateur radio operators, they find a way to get on the air. They adapt, they improvise, and they overcome. So, I went and found my two dual band uh, home antennas, my fixed station uh, dual band antennas. One is a GP3. Uh, I don't remember who makes it. Might be Diamond, I'm not sure and an Arrow Dual Band J-Pole. Uh, I still think you can buy those. 
I purchased mine for 25 bucks off a guy that was just trying to get rid of it to make a little, little extra cash. And uh, it is also the one, if you listen to the episode, yeah, crazy car. If any of the episode, you've listened to any of the episodes when I was in Forney, uh, Texas, uh, it's the same antenna I had attached to the fence in the backyard where the homeowners association would not see it. So, I put, figured out that the GP3 will not fit in the window. Yeah, we had to go inside, of course. And let me back up a little bit. I, in a recent episode of this one, I spoke about KE50A Ed Youngblood. And Ed Youngblood, one of the one of the other things, and I've got lots of stories about me and Ed, but one of the other things is, is I I went over to his apartment. The first time I went over to his apartment and went inside for a bit. I got to look at and he had a spring-loaded plant hanger pole and it's been people don't really use those anymore so a lot of people haven't seen them but it was a pole that was spring-loaded kind of like a spring-loaded curtain rod but you would put it in a place in your house somewhere in a room and it had one end had a spring on it you would slide it up in there and the spring tension would hold it in place and they were used for like having you know some uh, pots pots of flowers and stuff like that hanging on well he had taken this one and attached a uh, i think it was a four or five element two meter beam to it now, he lived in an apartment not too far outside of downtown Dallas. In fact, he really wasn't very far from the repeater that we used most often. But he had this antenna on his pole. And the coax ran over to his rig. And he would sit there at night and he could reach over and grab that pole. And if for some reason conditions changed, he could turn that antenna a little bit and kind of focus in on how things were uh, bouncing around down there. There's a lot of buildings. It was, he was right off Central Expressway, and there's fairly large buildings on either side. And he would uh, have him signals bouncing off in buildings and getting into the repeater. So I ordered myself 50 feet of coax. It took a little while for it to get there. And now the problem I had was my desk is back in that corner I was talking about earlier. And if you walk across the room, it's about 15 or so feet, maybe 20, from desk to window. So when my coax arrived, I went ahead and decided to run it one day while I was in quarantine and I did 
want to drive these big, ugly coax uh, clips that I have. You know, they're they're not giant, but they're they are black, and the interior of the apartment is mostly white, kind of a beige color. So I was doing my best to minimize that, and I unfortunately had to run it over a couple of doors behind the TV that kind of stuff to get it where I needed it. So I did have some clear plastic headed push pins. So I began the run and unfortunately running it around the wall to get it where it needed to go uh, for an optimum installation I was about 10 feet short, 5, 10 feet short. Uh, truly amazing, yes. I, I'm over, I'm just, it blows my mind. But I, at some point, I'm going to get a jumper and stretch it out a little bit long, longer so I can get it where it doesn't look like it does. I mean, it's not bad, but uh, the wife probably, if she ever notices it good, she's going to be angry. So... I had to run over two doors and across to the window and I use these plastic push pins every few feet to at least hold the coax in place. If there's no tension on the coax, then they will work just fine. So I get the antenna hooked up to the cable. I get the cable hooked up to the radio and I start dialing around. Well, I have an affection for the repeater in Mesquite, Texas, which is about 20 miles from where I'm living now. And the reason I have an affection for the Mesquite repeater is uh, that was the second club I ever joined was Mesquite. They welcomed me in. They never gave me a hard time about being a new guy. I was head of the education committee at one point over there. I was there. They have a Tuesday night net and I was Tuesday night net, uh, net uh, coordinator which means I rounded up net controls. I actually rewrote the uh, net script while I was net coordinator and stuff. Um, was field day commander one year and I was club president for a couple years. So, it, it's always been like home to me. <coughs> they were a lot more accepting than the first club. And any of y'all that have listened to a few of these episodes, y'all probably be able to figure out who the first club was. Anyway, so, at 20 miles, if the antenna was outside and it was up in the air a little bit, it wouldn't be a problem. But, it's like I said earlier. It was only, it's only about four feet off the ground, and it's in a window, in a building. Yeah, man, they drive crazy out here. They sure do. Um, it's in a window, in a building, that we're on the side that faces away from Mesquite, Texas. 
and there's a couple of other buildings in between me and the first big open spot that direction and it was going to be kind of difficult when I initially put the antenna in the window I it was really noisy signal off the machine was only about an S3 to an S5 uh, I was really having trouble getting into it however the 14690 repeater in a place called Payne Springs which is further away I had no problem getting into and it's simply because there's not buildings in the way between me and the repeater by Payne Springs. Well, this was not my goal because I don't know a lot of folks down there and I prefer if I'm going to get back on the air to hook up with the people I know and then spread out from there. So I moved it around in the window and eventually I was able to get it in the spot where I was getting maximum signal off of the scheme, maximum signal off of the 146.90, and I was even able to get into some of the repeaters in uh, Rockwall, which is to the north about 15 miles, and I can even get into the Dallas Amateur Radio Club repeater which is 25 miles away. Now this is quite an accomplishment, or at least I feel it is. At some point, I'll probably take pictures of the uh, installation and put them on the website. You know, it's not much, but it's uh, improvise, adapt, overcome is what it's all about. Now I'm able to not only crossband into scheme machines, using that radio. In fact, I can crossband into any of the machines I've spoken of off of that radio with my little Bofine handheld, which, hey, it ain't a bad radio for what I paid for it. And it's easy. if something happens to it, there's no reason to get worried about it. We'll get to the expensive hand handheld in a few minutes. But, I'm able to crossband into all these repeaters. I'm able to sit there at the desk and talk to these repeaters. I'm able to work traffic nets. I'm able to work races net, which I may have to have myself deactivated again because of the family crisis that's in progress. But for now, uh, I joined back up with races. And boy, I'm going to let rip on uh, Aries. I'm going to really tear up Aries in an episode at some point. I just got to figure it out. I may have already spoken of it. Anyway, so now we're back in business. On the, on the low end. Problem is, there's nobody to talk to. Uh, using a handheld as I travel between my apartment Terrell and Presbyterian Hospital in downtown Dallas every day uh, because of stuff and I have thrown my call sign out, thrown my call sign out, thrown my call sign out. No response. 
same way on the Dallas Amateur Radio Club meter. And admittedly, I'm going back and forth in the middle of the day. Uh, leaving out of the house at 10 and coming back home about 7 at night. But all these repeaters have gone quiet. And I was telling a gentleman last night who was a member of Mesquite that, you know, I told him. I told him their club was going to fail 20 years ago because they decided to go 501c3 and, and take uh, the power of the membership away. But I'm not going to dwell on that because that's not the point of this particular Richard Radio Adventures. So now we know we got reliable, fairly reliable, on the air, radio going on. And we're looking to improve that at some point. We will probably try to add a 10 meter uh, rig because I think that's probably the my best option as far as something I can hide where the apartment management doesn't see the antenna and still be able to make some uh, decent contacts. It is the bottom of the cycle, so it can only get better from here. So that, that's the antenna installation. Now, I may have spoken about ordering a wireless hotspot to do some of the modes that they're doing on hotspots nowadays. Now, back in the, it had to be early 2000s. Yeah, it's because I was president of the club at the time. Back in the early 2000s, uh, D-Star showed up. D-Star Radio, gonna save amateur radio. There's always something gonna save amateur radio. Uh, to my knowledge, the best thing we could do to save amateur radio is get on there, but there's always something gonna save amateur radio. So here comes D-Star. And one of the guys in the club that I thought quite highly of, he ended up being racing, racing radio officer later. He was a past president of the club. And all that good stuff. He was so enthusiastic and carrying on. And when I left, or when I served my at my last meeting as president of the club, there was a raffle, and uh, I ended up winning it. Now I took the prize because I took the prize because there wasn't anything shady going on on my end. I don't know if it was going on somewhere else. I don't want to know, but I went ahead and took my winning, which turned out to be an ICOM IC2200H VHF radio. Oh my God, I love VHF, I really do. And I'm gonna have to be quiet, no, I don't have to be quiet a minute because I'm not gonna give this guy no money. Um, I mean, I'm a VHF guy. VHF was one of the main reasons I got my license. 
and uh, seeing what, you know, and the remarkable things I feel I've done on VHF, you know, one that really sticks into my, or sticks in my brain is that there was a night when I was standing on a parking lot in Arlington, Texas, doing my job, and we had some tropospheric stuff going on, and there was this little tiny voice on the repeater we were working on, and as time went on, the voice got louder and louder, and then they were in there full quieting of all things. It turned out that that station was in a place called El Campo, Texas. And I'm sorry about the wind noise. I'm having to run with the windows down. I don't know if it'd be any better with the air on. El Campo, Texas. Uh, take a map out. See how far that is. Uh, yeah, several hundred miles. Anyway, so I won this VHF radio in a raffle at my last meeting as president of the Ham Association of Mesquite. And one of the first things Craig, which is the operator I was talking about, Greg Green, KV5E, one of the first things he came, came up to me and said about that radio is that, hey, did you know that they make an add-on board for that radio that'll do D-Star? Okay. Really? Yeah. And I was just happened to be at meetings at clubs around the area where the local D-Star guys, uh, John Beatles and some of the others, you'll see their names on the regular D-Star sites. They would be there doing presentations, talking about going down the road, moving data from car between cars using 1.2 gig radios and stuff like that. And everybody that had anything to do with it was really playing up the MCOM applications of this new mode that we had access to that ICOM was nice enough to grace us with and I kind of got the fever and I went ahead and got the board for the IC2200 and then I purchased an ID91 D-Star handheld and before it was over I had an ID800H had already spent more money on these D-Star radios than the HF rig that I had at the time, which was uh, FT897. And I'm thinking, okay, it's D-Star, there's people all over the world, there's gonna be traffic. Works for me, because I was, at that point I was working at night um, sitting out on a rendering plant making sure they didn't steal the the restaurant grease that they were bringing in or the tallow they were rendering out of it going out 
and it probably sounds like I've been in security all my life. It's just, I've been in a lot of stuff. It's just security comes up at this time because that's when I had the most time to play radios. But I would bring up a reflector so I could listen to it. Maybe hear somebody I wanted to talk to and somebody would come along and kill it. And I'd go back in there and open it back up. It'd run for a little while. And then somebody would come along and kill it. And I couldn't get anybody to leave stuff alone, so it got to the point that I wasn't using the D-Star side of the D-Star radios. So I put them away. My C2200, I still had it in the car but I never tried to do any D-Star on it, mostly because VHF D-Star, for some reason, everybody wants to go to UHF. Um, I can't understand it because even here in a built-up place like Dallas, Texas, your chances of communication are better on VHF than they are on UHF, but that's fodder for another episode. Anyway, it was a VHF radio, so everybody be over on UHF. I couldn't get anybody on the UHF side of the local V-Star machines. And I finally found myself falling out of love with D-Star. That was long about the time that I had less and less time to do radios. Uh, for those of you who follow, you'll remember that I was only on the second podcast I created, helped create, was one called Linux in the Ham Shack, which is still on the air today. Uh, LHSpodcast.info if y'all are interested in going over taking a look at that but at that time in my life I had to I didn't have time to do that show anymore so I left it episode 100 my website I are the regular resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast also was not getting new episodes I attempted let's see it was about episode 50 or 51 when this happened. I was able to get out, I think, three or four more episodes. And because I was down on that rendering plant and had time to do stuff, that's about the time we started up Richard's Radio Adventures, even though we had a big old gap. So, Getting back on the air, I had gone and purchased myself a hotspot. Said it would do D Star. Okay. Let me get myself one of these uh, hotspots and I'll see if I can make it work the way they say it's supposed to. Got it home. Or I got it delivered. Had to go out on the internet and look around trying to figure out because I was having a little bit of a problem getting it set up going. 
Then I discovered it was uh, a Raspberry Pi running, running Linux. Now, uh, ain't that something? So all I had to do was put my Linux hat back on, pay close attention to uh, the instructions that came with it, which were minimal, because the bottom of the box had a big old sticker on the bottom that said Made in China. And it turns out it's a Pi Hat Zero. It run, uh, there's some software running in it, in it called MMDVM or something like that. Uh, it's got something on top called a hat, which I believe is the wire, wireless section, and I'm still trying to figure it all out. Uh, people think I'm a dunderhead because I can't tell them what kind of hot spot it is. Uh, well, I'm not exactly sure. If y'all have any answers to that, you know, ship me an email, kb5jbv at gmail.com, or sign up over at the news group, or I don't know. Y'all can figure it out. Leave me a message on the website, something. So, I got it up and I got it running. And I was having successful QSOs. And I was able to turn on reflectors and unlink from reflectors and all that good stuff. So I'm on my way. Well now, I'm gonna tackle what seems to be the trend of the week. Or one of the trends of the week. <laughs> which is DMR. Now, DMR, know nothing and knew nothing about it I don't know a whole lot more now but I'm getting there and I am not a fossil I'm not a guy that is stuck in time I love my VHF I do love my VHF I love my digital modes but you have to find out you have to get with the current technology unless you want to be doing all this stuff by yourself and the only time I think I would enjoy, would be happy doing things by myself is if I was doing moon bounce or something. So, I purchased a DMR radio. It takes a little while to get here. And at this point, I probably had it about three weeks. But it was completely mind boggling because it doesn't program like a regular amateur piece of amateur radio equipment. Uh, there's a boatload of features and stuff on it that uh, I'm unaware of. Uh, the way you have to put the channels in and that kind of stuff, it, it just uh, it was kind of mind-blowing in the beginning because I went from all this time not even picking a radio up and I'm into this radio that is pretty complex. I'm still not sure how to get in a local repeater, but I'm working on it. So I get finally figure out how to get that radio operating. And it required me downloading something called a code plug. Uh, and on a regular radio, we would call that a configuration file. But I downloaded this code plug from a guy here local, got it plugged in, still thought I was having some issues, and he finally got on the talk group, well, we got on the common talk group, and he got on there, and we talked for a little bit, and now it's going, 
and I'm making small changes a little bit at a time, adding local, local analog repeaters a little bit at a time, and we are finally getting that taken care of. So now it's running through the hot spot. When I'm doing D-Star, I turn the DMR off. When I'm doing DMR, I turn the D-Star off. And I have a second hotspot sitting on the desk that came about two weeks ago. And I haven't had a chance to get to it and try to get it set up, configured, and all that good stuff. But at some point, I'll probably have both of them running, sitting on the desk. And all I got to do is figure out which radio I want to pick up. So, I am now safely in the parking lot at the hospital in Dallas. We made it here. We survived the trip. I'm about 20 minutes late getting here. But I don't think she'll mind. She spent a lot of time sleeping for the last week and a half. And with that, I think I'm going to let y'all go. I hope I've given y'all something you can, can uh, use, or at least a uh, little food for thought for a while. We're going to try and get some more of these out now that things are starting to look up and we have a little time to do so. So, y'all get out there and talk up amateur radio. Elmer, you people. Learn some new stuff. I'm learning new stuff, a lot of it. I just wish I had more time to focus on it right now. And we're gonna go ahead and let y'all go this time. Oh, by the way, this one is not alcohol fuel. That would not be good, especially in Dallas traffic. So with that, uh, y'all be safe. Watch out for the COVID. And we'll see y'all next time. KB5JB Lee.